0: Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. If you would turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. um, We'll be beginning in verse 1 today. Um, As I've said, we're kind of going through the book of Matthew here, um, and we've already covered the infancy narratives and everything. We've already covered uh, John the Baptist and his preaching out of the wilderness and preparing the way for the Messiah to come. And uh, last week we looked at Jesus coming to his baptism. And now, uh, immediately after Jesus' baptism, Uh, The Spirit leads him out into the wilderness to be tempted. That seems a little bit strange to us, but that's what we're going to be looking at. The big idea of uh, of the text today, uh, I think, is that Jesus, being fully human, was led out into the Spirit with the express purpose of being tempted so that he could pass the test that Israel failed and that Adam and Eve had failed, And he would be able to stand without sin where we all fail. That's the big idea of our our, our text this morning. Let's go ahead and read our text. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came... You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what it teaches us about you, about your son, and about ourselves. We thank you that it is sufficient that we might know how to live and how to be saved. And Father, we, we pray that you would feed us by your word. Give us ears this morning to hear and eyes nice to see. Lord, give me grace and strength as I preach your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. It begins uh, with something I think is, is really strange. We, we, we just don't feel like this should say this, but it does. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. It seems something that's contradictory to us because we, we probably know of James that tells us, let no man think when he is tempted that he's tempted by God. Right? But each man is when he's tempted, he's he's led by his own desire. And yet, here Jesus was led by the Spirit. The Spirit was the one who was leading him into this temptation. Strange to us, isn't it? And it was for the purpose of being tempted by the devil. A couple of things we need to understand here. God is in control of all things. God is not the one, though, who tempts us. Just as the Spirit wasn't the one who was tempting, it says the devil was the one who was tempting. He was led out into the wilderness by the spirit, and the devil was the one who was doing the tempting, okay? In our own life, God uses what is called secondary causes, secondary causes. While God is in control, he, the devil is real, and he has the ability to tempt us, and yet God keeps the devil on a leash, <laughs> The devil is not able to do anything that God does not at least give permission. Just like Job. Job, uh, uh, the devil wanted to come and, and destroy Job's life, and he wasn't able to do anything that God didn't first give permission for. In the same way, that's the way it is in our lives. So we may find ourselves put in a position that God has put us in. It, must, it wasn't it, due to anything because of our sin or anything, but just, we might find ourselves in a position that God has clearly led us into, and yet we find ourselves being tempted. God uses secondary causes. Well, just like uh, Joseph and his brothers. Okay? We'll go back there. It's, this is, I think, how we understand God's sovereignty over thing all, all things and man's responsibility. You have Joseph, who was sold into slavery by his brothers, they did a wicked and evil thing, and yet when uh, they had had come to him, they were afraid of what Joseph might do to them, uh, and Joseph said, don't worry, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. When God was, when the Spirit was calling or leading Jesus out into the wilderness, he had a good purpose in mind. And the devil had an evil purpose in mind. He wanted to tempt Jesus. He wanted to distract Jesus from his mission. He wanted uh, Jesus uh, to to fall and fail so that we would all go to hell. God's purpose was good because this purpose, uh, temptation was necessary for Jesus to be able to fulfill all righteousness. Yet, the devil intended for it as an attack. The next thing we see, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. I think I'd be hungry before that. <laughs> you give me a day and I'm starving to death, right? So Give me some Cheetos or something. (laughs) Forty days and forty nights Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. Why was Jesus tempted for forty days, or not tempted, uh, fasting for forty days and forty nights in the wilderness? Well, there's a couple of reasons. One, fasting is something Jesus did in order to prepare himself. We think fasting is something that makes us weak. We don't have strength. But the fact is, when we fast, it shows that we are dependent upon God and not ourselves, not our own strengths. And Jesus did the same thing. He fasted to show that he was dependent upon the Word of God. He was dependent upon his trust and his relationship with his Father and not dependent on food. And so in so doing, Jesus was strengthening himself in this thing that we feel like would make us weak. He was strengthening himself and preparing himself by fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. When we have spiritual tasks that we need to do, maybe we're trying to overcome a particular sin. Maybe one of the best things we could do is follow in Jesus' steps. Now, 40 days and 40 nights is a bit of a stretch. But fasting is really, its something uh, we don't talk about it a whole lot in the church, and yet when John's disciples came to Jesus uh, later on in the Gospels. They asked him, why don't your disciples fast? And Jesus said, well, they don't fast because the bridegroom is with them. It's not not proper at that time because they have have Jesus, the son of the Messiah, with them at that time. But he says, they will fast whenever he's gone. And he taught, tells them when you fast, don't fast like the heathens that do and and you know cover your face with ash and all that kind of thing, drawing attention to yourself. You know, He says, fast, don't tell anybody you're doing it. Uh, that's the kind of fasting Jesus says that we would do. So we don't talk about that a lot, but fasting is a good spiritual discipline, and I should do it more than I do. Well, I have a feeling we probably all ought to do it more than we do. So Jesus prepared himself by fasting. But also, I think what's significant about these 40 days and 40 nights is Jesus is living out the experience of Israel. Jesus is living out the experience of Israel. Jesus went out into the wilderness. Who else went out into the wilderness? The people of Israel. They were wandering through the wilderness for how long? 40 years. The numbers, I think, are not a coincidence here. The forty years, the forty days, and forty nights, to draw our attention to the fact that there's a connection between the Israelites wandering in the wilderness for forty days and for, for forty years, and Jesus fasting for forty days and forty nights. They're connected. Jesus is uh, passing a test that Israel failed. He's also passing a test that Eve failed. Eve was tempted uh, by uh, the devil whenever he was, uh, when the devil uh, you know caused her to doubt God's word. He said, "Did God really say this?" He, he, the devil um, uh, saw that Eve see that it was a delight to her eyes, and it was good for food. I mean, it caused her to 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 crave after this thing, and in the wilderness. The the people were wandering in the wilderness and so often they grumbled, right? They grumbled. We don't have enough meat. God gave them a bunch of quail. (laughs) We don't don't have any food. Oh, I'm tired of all this manna. (laughs) And manna was what God gave them. Manna was, we don't even know what it was and the name actually means. What is it? God gave them manna in the wilderness, this food that just kind of showed up on the ground in the mornings and was gone. And it wouldn't last more than a day except on the Sabbath, where they could take it twice the day before, twice as much the day before, and it would provide. And God was showing his people, Israel, in those days that they could trust God to provide for them. They didn't have to provide for themselves. They could trust God to provide for them. Jesus, while he was fasting out in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, was going through the same thing as the Israelites were. He was showing that he was dependent upon his father and not upon being able to take care of himself and his own needs by food, by bread, by whatever else. Verse 3, the very point where Jesus was weak, the devil attacks him. At the end of verse 2, it says he was hungry. I'd be hungry too. 40 days and 40 nights without any food. He was hungry. I think one of the things this shows us whenever it says he was hungry is he was fully human. The uh, Gnostics, there was a, a group of the Gnostics, uh, these false teachers in the early church uh, that were called Docetics. And the, the Docetics believed that, that Jesus merely appeared to be human, that he he basically wasn't really human. He was just God, but he put on this shell so that he would look like he was a human. no. He was truly human. And the evidence we have from the text is here, he got hungry just like we do. He got hungry just like we do. So he was fully human, and he was hungry after 40 days and 40 nights not eating, and the devil comes to him, it says the tempter came to him, and said to him, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. First off, what the devil's, what the tempter says to him is if you are the Son of God, if he's, he's trying to undercut Jesus' sense of his sonship, what was it that the Father said spoke from heaven right before Jesus went out into the wilderness? At Jesus' baptism, the heavens opened, and this voice came from heaven saying, You are my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. One of the things that carried Jesus through the 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness was His confidence that He was the Son of God. He was confident in His Father's provision for Him. And He was confident that the Father was pleased with Him. And here, the tempter strikes a blow at the root of His confidence here. He says, if you are the Son of God. He was tempting Jesus to prove it. If you're God, you can do anything, right? If you're the Son of God, it wouldn't be much just to make these stones of bread. You'd be able to be satisfied. You're hungry. There's nothing wrong with that. Right? The devil tempted him. And we think, what would be wrong with that? I mean, it's just food. But the temptation wasn't just to turn stones into bread. The temptation was to doubt his father, his doubt his own identity as the Son of God, to doubt his father's provision for him, and to cause him to, to uh, trust in his own abilities instead of trusting in the provision of his father. The temptation that came to, to uh, uh, Jesus there in this first temptation was a temptation of the desires. We think of the, the, the three things that it talks about in the in, in the in the first John. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. This is the lust of the flesh. He was tempted to satisfy his appetite. He was hungry, and you wouldn't blame him for after 40 days. And the devil tempted him by appealing to his appetites. The devil comes to us in the same way. He wants us to satisfy our appetites in ways that God has not provided for. We don't think much of gluttony as something we preach against, although it's a sin. We don't talk about it much. It's one of those socially acceptable things. But when we're run by food, or any desire that has us captive to it. It's, it's a danger and it's a sin. God, the devil tempts us in those ways. He tempts us to find security and comfort in food. He, he tempts us to find security and comfort in, uh, in um, uh, sex in ways that are outside of God's plan and His design. These temptations of the flesh, and Jesus met his temptation with Scripture. That's the same way we should deal with meet our temptations. When when Jesus was confronted by the devil, and the t- devil said, "Make these stones into bread," Jesus answered him, "It is written, it is written." He pointed him to the Bible. It is written, "Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God." Here, Jesus—you know, Jesus was, like I said, he was going through what Israel was going through as he was being temp- as he was being as he was fasting in the wilderness. He was probably conscious of that fact. And while he was conscious of that fact, he was probably meditating on Deuteronomy. Every single one of the answers to the temptations that Jesus has given comes from Deuteronomy. We don't often meditate on Deuteronomy, do we? That's where Jesus went to. Maybe we'd be better off if we spent some time memorizing some Deuteronomy. If it was good enough for Jesus... It can help us in our temptations, too. And Jesus was uh, aware that the people, they grumbled when they were hungry, but God gave them manna to provide for them, to show them, in the text that Ron read from, to show them that they could could trust in God's provision. Forty years, their clothes didn't wear out. Their sandals didn't wear out. All of those things, he was—they were able to trust in him. And Jesus was leaning on this very same truth that he—that God had told the Israelites so many centuries before. And shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the Father's mouth, from the mouth of God. When we are tempted by the flesh, we need to remember our satisfaction can't come in our own attempts of feeding our flesh, whether it be food, sex, or any other thing. Our satisfaction comes from God's Word, from trusting in Him, from trusting that what He has provided is good enough, from not believing the lie that God is keeping something from us, but trusting that he is good and he provides good things for his children. Second, the second temptation, then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you on their hands. They will bear you up lest you strike your foot against the stone. Again, the devil does the same thing. He says, If you are the Son of God, he's attacking his own sense of his identity. You know, the devil does the same thing with us. If we're aware of our adoption by God, that we, if we are thinking about the fact that I am a child of God, that I used to be an orphan and He has adopted me, and He has cleansed me, and He has forgiven me, and all of those things, if we're aware, if we're consciously thinking about that fact, are we less likely to fall to the tempter's snares? But we forget, we're so forgetful, we forget the fact that God has forgiven us, and adopted us, and made us His own children. And that is where the devil tempted Jesus, and it's where he tempts us. He, he's, uh, he, he's, he, he tries to draw our, our mind from the uh, attention to the fact that we are God's children. Instead, he accuses us and says, if you were a child of God, you wouldn't really do that. And then our shame comes, and we find ourselves right back in the old pig pen. Because the devil doesn't want us to remember who we are when we're in Christ. Now, this temptation. Throw yourself down off the highest point in the temple. That seems kind of weird to us. The the last thing I'm ever tempted to do is jump off a cliff. And I don't know about any of you, if you ever stood at the top of of a cliff and and felt like, you know, I think i have got to jump down off of this. <laughs> no, but what is the point of this temptation? See, Jesus' ministry was to be one where he came in almost unnoticed. So oftentimes, Jesus would do some kind of a miracle, a healing or something, and he'd say, don't tell anybody. Because he had to wait for the proper time when his time had arrived before he would make himself known, even Jesus' first miracle when he changed water into wine, his, his mother came to him and said, "You do this miracle." And Jesus answers her and says, "You know, my time's not come yet." And this temptation was a temptation as he would throw himself off of the temple. The devil is here twisting scripture and telling him, "If you do this, then the angels will all come and they'll catch you and bring you down." <clears throat> what a spectacle that will be. Everyone who's there is going to see that the angels did that, and they're going to bow down and worship who were right there. They were he, the devil was tempting Jesus to make this spectacular um, entry into his ministry and avoid the pain and suffering of the cross. He was uh, tempting Jesus to fame. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The pride of life. He was tempting Jesus to fame. That that he could have everything that he came for without the cross. But the cross was the only way that we could be forgiven. Jesus answered this temptation. He said, again, it is written. Again, how does he respond to temptation? with scripture. Same way we ought to respond to temptation. It is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. This is what the Israelites did. Ron helped draw my attention to this this morning. It Mara, whenever, or Mas, Masa, when the people were grumbling and complaining, God said, why did you put me to the test? And later on, In Deuteronomy, he says, you shall not put the Lord thy God to the test like they did at Massah. And here, Jesus' temptation was, if I do this, it'll be okay, God will catch me. We can sometimes be tempted to sin and think, well, it's okay, I, I can just ask for forgiveness later. That, again, is putting the Lord your God to the test. We don't know how many times it will take to sin before our conscience is seared and we no longer desire to follow Jesus at all. Every sin that we commit, it hardens our heart just a little bit more. It hardens our conscience, sears our conscience just a little bit more. And we're putting God to the test every time we violate our conscience. We harden our heart. We ought not to do that. Jesus answered, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the the third temptation. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Seems like a strange thing to tempt Jesus with. Jesus already owned it. He is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He is the second person of the Trinity who made everything by His very word. And yet Satan was tempting Him. Bow down and worship Me, and you can have all these kingdoms. Again, Satan was tempting Him that He could have all, uh, all of these things apart from the suffering of the cross. Not trusting in God's plan. Not pr- trusting in the way that God had called him to go and lay his life-, life down for us. not about you, but if I had the devil standing in front of me saying, bow down and worship me, I don't know if that would be very tempting to me. I mean, I don't know about you, But, I mean, it's the devil, and I know he's defeated, and he's going to burn in hell one of these days. And if I did that, I would too, right? But here the devil tempts him with that. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. The devil was tempting Jesus with the lust of the eyes. He shows him all the kingdoms of the world. Jesus we are tempted in the same way. You know, Hebrews tells us, For We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Hebrews 4.15 We know that Jesus was tempted in every way that we are. Now that does not necessarily mean that he had every single kind of temptation that we can imagine, but in every way he was tempted with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the uh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, and he passed every test. He lived his life throughout an entire lifetime from an infant up through adolescence through adulthood and all the way to the cross and never sinned once. He was tested in every respect just as we are, yet without sin. Jesus responded to his temptation here. Be gone, Satan. That's what we need to tell Satan when we're tempted. Go away, Satan! Recognize him for who he is. Go away, Satan! I'm a child of God. I'm not listening to you anymore. For it is written, he responds with Scripture, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. When we face the lust of the eyes, bigger cars, bigger houses, we're tempted to worship those things. We're tempted to have those as our higher priority than God. And here, the same scripture that Jesus quoted, we can quote ourselves and remind us, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Finally, the last verse, verse 11 says, Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Jesus had just been through 40 days and 40 nights without eating. He was hungry, and then he had just faced the temptations of the devil, the attack of the enemy, and he needed to be ministered to. At the end, I think this points us again to the humanity of Jesus. He was fully God, and yet he was fully man, united in one person. Two distinct natures united in one person. What we see in this text is that Jesus was fully human. We also see that Jesus was fully obedient to the Father's will. He did not sin. And we also see that Jesus defeated temptation by using, by trusting in the Word of God. So the things we come away from today's message are we recognize who Jesus is. He was fully man, and yet fully God. Why is it important for Jesus to be fully God and fully man? We had to have a mediator, a perfect mediator. See, if Jesus was just God and not human, then he couldn't take the punishment for human beings. Right? Right? He had to be human to take the human punishment. And so that's why he had to be fully human. And he had to be God in order to be able to absorb the full wrath of God. No human, mere human being could die to to take on the sins of everyone who has ever lived. He had to be both fully God and fully man for us to be saved. It was necessary. And he had to be sinless. We were saved not only by Jesus' death, but by his righteousness, by his obedience even to death on the cross. His obedience was necessary for our salvation. And we look to Jesus as our example as well. We meet temptations. They come every week, every day, every hour, don't they? And we must meet them the same way that Jesus did. Remind ourselves, we're believers, remind ourselves, I am a child of God. I have been forgiven. I am no longer who I used to be. When we're confident on our identity, we we can have the strength to be able to put up against temptation. And we rely on Scripture just as Jesus did. How do we do that? We've got to memorize it. We don't always have the Bible. A lot of times, nowadays, we, we do have the Bible. We carry it with us all the time. But still, it takes a few minutes to look something up. When you're found in that moment of temptation, are you going to take a few minutes to look it up? Or is it easier just to get in? When we commit Scripture to memory, and I don't want to make something legalistic where you know we've got to do this in order to be pleasing to God. No, that's not the way it is. But we've got to do this in order to feed ourselves, to have the strength to be able to live this life. And when Satan comes, To attack us, we're ready and prepared. So, I guess the two first points of application are, know that Jesus is fully God and fully man. Two, appreciate the fact that Jesus was fully obedient to his Father's will, without sin, trusted in him. And three, Meet, Jesus, meet our temptations the way Jesus did by trusting in who he has made us to be in our adoption and meeting the devil's attacks with Scripture. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.